thank you guys for being here today. So glad to see you're back from spring break. And uh, it was a lot of fun. So today we're talking about the emergent church, and the myth here is kind of complex. There are a lot of points to it. And again, as we get started, and some of you will talk about this, but uh, I don't think that it would be right to say that the emergent church is all good or all bad, right? There are some pros and some cons. There are enough cons that I think that we need to be discerning about anything that comes out of the emergent church or a lot of their trends, and that's why we're doing this today. But at the same time, we're not going to ignore some of the, the pros in that movement as well. So I kind of wanted to define the myth in more than just one word or two or three words because it deserves that. So the idea is that tolerance is more important than truth, okay? That'd be kind of their, maybe one of the first themes. Uh, acceptance versus integrity. And again, some of these are good, some of these attributes of the emergent church are good. It's good to be accepting of people, but not at the expense of integrity, either personal integrity or corporate integrity as the body of Christ, right? They would say social justice is probably more important than the Great Commission, specifically a lot more important than evangelism, they'd say. A lot of them might even say that evangelism or talking about sin, heaven, hell, things like that, salvation, are not right. They'd go that far, probably. Freedom versus self-discipline. There's a big emphasis on freedom, often at the expense of self-control or self-discipline. It's not a good deal. Freedom actually comes in that context. So, Not judging, which again is good. It's not good to judge people. Actually, that's an important differentiation. First Corinthians 2 says the spiritual person makes judgments about all things. So it's not good for us to make judgments about people, right? To judge, is that person going to heaven or hell? That's between them and God, based on what they did with Jesus Christ, right? But as a Christian, you should make judgments about all things. You should be able to say, this is right and that's wrong, right? So that's important. Look at First Corinthians 2. So not judging would be a huge priority to the emergent church versus being a light, sometimes at the expense of being a light in a very dark world. They would say don't judge the darkness. Sometimes uh, they would almost not be a light. Okay, vulnerability versus example. Just be the same as everybody else. Don't try to pretend like you're something better. Well, we're not better, but as Christian that God's working in, he's going to be changing me more and more into his character. 2 Corinthians 3.18, social acceptance, being loved by the world, versus being hated for Christ's sake. John 15, Bible extrapolation, making the text of God's word mean anything you feel like you want it to mean based on however you happen to feel today. I think that would be a big issue with them because they've gone into this postmodern shift within the church where they've given up the truth and, and uh, foundation of God's word many times. So Bible extrapolation versus Bible interpretation. Right, and then finally, focus more on the temporary and physical 
and not so much uneternal things. Right, if you look at 2 Corinthians 4.18, if you look at Colossians 3, those are just a few of the passages where we're told to focus on eternal things, not on temporary things. So those would be maybe more important to them. So the myth is kind of manifold. We have 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9 different aspects that, that we've listed up here. There are probably others too. And so, like we said at the beginning, it's not all bad or all good, but we're going to go to the Word, and we're going to be able to develop some discernment here for what bones need to be tossed out and what meat needs to be swallowed, right? So, Jake, why don't you go ahead and take us from there? Cool. So, I just want to start first of all with uh, the idea of truth um, and like the backbone, I guess, of truth is that um, Jesus specifically said, you know, in John 14, 6, that I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except for me. Um, he's saying that explicitly that there is one way to heaven, you know, and there is. And that's the life that I'm offering you, and I'm the only way to that life. And that's the truth um, that the Bible tells us, um, regardless of what other people might say. Um, another thing would be Second uh, Timothy uh, 3.16. Uh, Second Timothy, uh, it's actually, yeah, this is 3.16. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So all scripture is from God, God-breathed. Um, so if it's from God, then who are we as men you know, to change it? And um, what, like... Yeah, basically, like, where we just change it. Um, and I guess kind of going off that, we'll go to Psalm 119, uh, which basically just, uh, I'm not going to read the whole thing because we'd be here for 15 minutes. Um, but basically, uh, just talking about, like, how, you know, God's word is great, you know, the law is great, um, and that we should find the light in that law and the truth that is in God's word. Um, and we should find delight in obeying God's word also. Um, and that God is pleased whenever we obey his word. Um, and the last verse I was going to go over, actually, two more, I think. No, just one more. Uh, 2 Corinthians 4.16. Second Corinthians 4.16 says, Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and monetary, momentary troubles are achieving us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So basically it's like this whole focus on you know, the eternal aspects of, like, what the Bible says, you know, focusing on eternity rather than what's in this life, you know, focusing on pleasing God and living for God rather than focusing on pleasing man and living for man instead. Uh, so that's basically what the Bible says about um, what we should think about in terms of truth. That's it. Thank you, Jake. It's all heavy. <laughs> I will be talking about the biblical principles, and I was going to start off with 
um, love and acceptance. In Ephesians 4, 32, it says, Be kind to one, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. Um, and then, kind of, in John 15, 18, it says, If the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before I hated you. So we should accept one another and forgive one another. Um, but the world will hate us because of Christ. And then um, the next one is focus on the truth from above instead of on worldly things. Um, Colossians 3, 2 says, Set your mind on things above, not on the things that are on this earth. And then in Ephesians 4, 23-24, it says, But you did not learn Christ in this way, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as the truth is in Christ, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside your old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit, that you may be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, which in the likeness of God has been created in the righteousness and holiness of the truth. And then um, the last principle that I was going to talk about was holy living and doing everything for the glory of God. Which in Colossians 3.23 it says, Whatever you do, do your work heartily as the Lord rather than, rather not than for men. Sorry, let me say that again. Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than not for men. So, and then 1 Corinthians 10, 32-33 says, whatever you, Whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Give no offense either to the Jews or to the Greeks or to the church of God. Just as I also please all men in all things, not seeking my own profit, but the profit of many, so that they may be saved. signs of deception and overall some were as a majority were they were uh, deceptive but some weren't um, there's really not a whole lot of emphasis on signs and wonders in this and it does cause some division among believers because if some believers believe that oh, I need to be sharing the gospel I need to Upon the Great Commission, other people that are completely against that, then that's going to cause some division. And um, flattery and nice sounding arguments that are actually empty but deceive and naive. So I thought this is definitely a criteria because it sounds wonderful if you don't have to do any, any work, so you don't have to share the gospel, which is scary and sometimes could end up badly depending on where you live. <laughs> but, it's not true, and it just sounds nice. And number four, distraction from simple and pure devotion to Christ. Uh, maybe. I, in some ways, it, it isn't a distraction because you're doing good things, like you're serving the poor or helping fathers be, to be better people. 
help their, their children when they need to help them is good, but in other ways it could be distracting when you're not doing what God wants you to do. You're just kind of doing your own thing. Um, the fifth one is foolishness, and that didn't really seem, maybe it was a little bit foolish, but it wasn't as foolish as other things. It was more, it's more about postmodernism and not foolishness exactly. Uh, six, physical roughness. I don't think the emergent church has really anything to do with physical roughness. Um, legalism and, and manipulation. Maybe there could be some legalism if they tell you to not share the gospel, and that's one of their big rules, but overall I didn't think it was all, it was about legalism and manipulation. And if it's about postmodernism kind of things, then there's almost no rules whatsoever, good or for one way, reason or another. Number eight is special revelation from God, an uncommon form of Christianity. And yeah, this is kind of an unusual form of Christianity, not one you read about in the Bible. And uh, nine is speculation and fruitless discussion. Um, some, but not enough to for this to be a big factor. This is what they're talking about is some good, some bad, but not fruitless. Distraction from doing God's work by faith. Uh, yeah, if you're not going to go share the gospel, you're and you're more concerned about worldly things, then this could be a big distraction. And confidence without understanding. Do they consider themselves teachers of God's word, yet have a poor understanding of it? Yeah, I think if you're saying things like you don't need to share the gospel, then you might not be well-versed in what the Bible actually says. And does it continue to go further and further in the truth and get crazier and crazier? Um, yeah. It could start off as you're not doing one thing that the Bible says, but it could lead to becoming more and more worldly and less and less how God originally wanted us to live. And strange doctrines, myths, and stories of different from sound doctrine. Yeah, I think if you, it's easy once you start stepping away from God's word to, it's easy for there to be a kind of like a landslide effect and, and it get crazier and crazier. And hidden agenda or secrecy about their true beliefs and teachings, they seem to be pretty open about what they believe. They're, they're not about to hide what they believe from anybody. Sensuality and appeal to people's fleshly desires and emotions? Definitely. This is all about what you want to do, what your flesh wants to do, and not about what, you're, what you need to do and what God wants us to do. And Jesus slash Christianity gets a bad rap. Sometimes, maybe, we could, uh, this emergent church could give Christianity a bad rap because not sharing the gospel and we're contradicting what the Bible says so it makes us look very inconsistent but at the same time Jesus Christianity would get a great rap because we that we're you know helping out the poor and helping fathers and doing community service type stuff which I don't think anybody can really dislike that and then greed and materialism 
Yeah, this could lead to, if you're focusing on earthly things, that could also lead to very earthly desires that overcome godly desires. And then taking advantage of people. I don't think this church is about taking advantage of people. It's more about ideas. And pride, yeah, if you're trying to do good works without, without uh, God's help, it's kind of being prideful and saying, oh, I can do this all on my own. I don't need God's help in this. And the promise of freedom or something more, yeah, that, that could be a, a good one. Because you're promising freedom from the, from the rules of the church when, when, when originally the rules of the church or the rules from the Bible are not they're not meant to be binding, but they're meant to be freeing because they're, they're leading towards a good life, how we're supposed to live. And non-Christian, the last one is non-Christian actions are acting like before, like we did before Christ. Definitely, if you're if you're focusing on what the world wants and or trying to meet the world where they are, and you go too far, you can definitely start to act like they did before Christ. There we go. Church as well as its history. Uh, I'm going to talk about history first. Uh, uh, emergent church seems to have come about uh, through the idea of postmodernism. Um, so it's relatively new. I don't know. Postmodernism seems to be um, like rebellion, almost a shift away from like old like teachings and, and ways of thinking um, to to laid back sort of like like Nate was saying uh, live life the way you want to uh, mentality and uh, emergent church takes on this um, mentality you know, and, and they feel like they need to reach they need to shape itself to reach um, the people of this generation who buy into postmodernism also um, so yeah, it's relatively new. Uh, as far as fruit, it seems the main issue with uh, the Church churches it's unbalanced. Um, like there, there's a lot of good things that come from the Emergent Church, like like you can see up here, like um, tolerance, acceptance. But because they feel the need to shape itself to meet uh, these people where they're at. They, need, they feel the need to change uh, their teachings and not just you know go out and uh, reach people. They actually feel the need to change uh, what they're teaching. Because they do that, they, they end up on an extreme, and every extreme has like an extreme counterpart. So, like you can see up here, like Dave was saying, uh, you know, social acceptance, like that's really good. You know, it's a good thing to you know. But also, but on the other hand, you know, they they, uh, they go against scripture and uh, try not to be hated. Um, let's see. So yeah, some some other examples of fruit. Um, all, all like the fruit that comes from this, they all have uh, 
they're all kind of backhanded, like they all have some kind of negative counterpart. Uh, belief uh, through facts, that's, that's solid, um, but they, they give up a certain aspect of faith uh, in, in that. Respect that kind of goes along with social acceptance. Uh, you know, they want to respect everyone, you know, and not press their ideas on people. Um, but with that, they give up um, sharing, as we're called to do. Um, yeah, they're interested in reaching people, which is really good. Um, but too much so, uh, as they feel the need to shape themselves to conform to people's ideas and ways of thinking. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of good things, there's a lot of fruit that comes with it, um, but there's a lot of negative uh, aspects to that as well. So. Awesome. Yeah, that's right. Jack and there, there's, like with, with a lot of things, there's, there's some good and there's some bad. So I wanted to mention a few of the main leaders just so that they're on your minds, not because we want to condemn them as terrible Christians, but just to be discerning. And some of these books will come across your radar. So Brian McLaren is kind of probably the leading figure of this. He's written A New Kind of Christianity, Everything Must Change, some other different, or New Kind of Christianities, Everything Must Change, some other books. And it's pretty unreal, some of the statements in there. Like when, if you read this, this isn't Everything Must Change, which I have. And, um, well, and in that, he actually quotes a South African aid worker that he is sympathetic to. And he, he says that this man put it this way, he says, they may be born again talking about Christians, but what good is that if their problems are the same as before, right? And he continues, what good is that? All this born again talk is nothing but nonsense, okay? You'd think that any Christian that heard a statement like that would say that's that's not okay. But he then continues, after the gathering, I found this young man and told him how much I respected his courage for saying this. You know? And so he's affirming this man, basically saying that being born again is nonsense. We need to focus on physical needs that people have. Brian McLaren has endorsed Alan Jones's book called Reimagining Christianity, which calls Christianity a vile doctrine. So he's actually endorsing people and their books that define Christianity as a vile doctrine. And he actually put the gospel this way in an NPR interview this last year. He says, the view of the cross that I was given growing up, in a sense, has a God who needs blood in order to be appeased. If this God doesn't see blood, God can't forgive. That's actually scriptural. It says without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins, right? Uh, so this is actually not just what he was given growing up, but this is what scripture tells us, right? And that's why Jesus had to go to the cross and die for our sins. God revealed in Christ crucified shows us a vision of a God that identifies with the victim rather than the perpetrator, identifies with the one suffering rather than the one inflicting suffering. So he is equating the story of the cross and the purchase of, of the body of Christ, the salvation of the body of Christ, the purchase of, of that body with God's own blood. And he's saying that's nothing more than God sticking up for the underdog, basically, and God supporting the person that is politically oppressed. Uh, that's not the gospel. I mean, that is a different gospel other than that which we've already received. And it's kind of sketchy. So if, if you read something from Brian McLaren that's good, well, that's good. But I want you guys to be discerning when you read things like that. Because that's not good, right? 
Um, so Donald Miller wrote Blue Light Jazz, he's another leading figure in this. Rob Bell wrote Velvet Elvis, Drops Like Stars, Sex God, another big leading figure. Obviously not all bad, there's some good there. Rob Bell has been huge in the fatherhood initiative and always getting dads to you know, be real dads. So there's some good and there's some bad. I guess when we think of the myth, what do you guys think? We can't just say it's busted, alright? Uh, what's that? This is plausible. Plausible? I'm gonna, I'm gonna put both. <laughs> I'm gonna put both, right? You can't hear me that. It's both busted. There are some aspects that are busted, but there are some aspects that I think that, uh, that we need to be better at. at reaching out to society, doing more to help the, the poor and needy, doing more to encourage social justice. So we should, we should, we should swallow meat and spit out the bones, so to say. So that's it for today, you guys. Let's close it out and pray. Who wants to pray, Jake? Will you just pray? Close this out. Absolutely. Cool. Guys, thank you so much for this day. Uh, just come and gather. Just uh, kind of look at what your, what your word says, God. Your God breathed word. It's a good thing. I thank you so much that your, the word is from you, God. Um, that we can know is the truth. Uh, that it can guide and direct us, God. Thank you so much for your word. Um, I thank you for this time together that you've given us uh, to look at your word and what it says. God, I just pray that you continue to be able to control and level of our lives, Lord, be on the throne. As we are on this campus uh, trying to reach out people. So, you know, I pray. Amen. Amen.